Michael, this is all very confusing. A few weeks ago, we did an episode called Is This Just a Phase? where we tried to discuss and analyze the recent news that Phase Clan had taken their corporation public. After reviewing the episode, however, we realized two things. One, that we spent most of the episode talking about playing video games, or in Tino and Mike's case, not playing video games. And two, that all three of us were way out of our league in understanding the gaming world. So we went out and we found an expert. I'm Remy Bartolotta, and this is On Markets, presented by Darwin Wealth Management and Darwin Asset Management. With me today is Chief Investment Officer Michael Sorrentino, Senior Financial Advisor Michael Bartolotta, and Semi-Pro Video Gamer Miles Seho. If you have any questions, comments, or maybe just a suggestion for a topic for one of our episodes, email comments at onmarkets.com or hit me up directly at remy at onmarkets.com. That's R-E-M-Y at onmarkets.com. And if you like our show, please show your support and hit the follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. So first off, Miles, I want to thank you for coming to the show today. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. So... In just a few short years, Miles has worked his way up the ranks of the gaming world. He streams on Twitch and posts clips on various social media platforms. He's twice been featured on SportsCenter, and his content has been viewed by more than 30 million people. Okay, honestly, that number is hard for me to even wrap my head around. What? <laughs> so, Miles, why, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and sort of how you got into gaming, and we'll take it from there. For sure. So, my name is Miles. I'm 22. I started off playing games when I was around, I want to say like five or six. My brother introduced them to me, mainly uh, this game called Halo, which was a crazy big game at the time on the old Xbox. And then I started playing more through the years, got better. And then during COVID, I started uh, posting clips. I had nothing else to do. Free time at home, started posting clips online, started meeting people in the industry. And then over time, I gained traction. And then I started uh, being featured online, and here I am. So for our listeners, posting clips means that essentially he, he records maybe a 10 or 15 second clip of him playing a video game and then posts it on a social media network. Out of curiosity, that post, what are you posting? The technique or you solved a new riddle or code or what is it? This is the funny thing is that Michael actually asked this, and I didn't know that until I listened to the podcast about FaZe. I actually started out by doing the same thing they did which was a trick shot in a game. And that's how they blew up and gained all this traction back in 2012. So it's basically an insane video moment from a game. That's how it started. kind of. So Tino, I, I don't want to sound like you, but I actually looked at a, a lot of the clips before uh, we started the show. And to be totally honest, I couldn't even tell what was going on half of the time. I mean, it's so fast. I watched the clip and I can see it's like him jumping out of a helicopter on a motorcycle, flipping around 15 times and then like <laughs> headshotting somebody that I couldn't even see on the screen to begin with. Like, I don't even know how it's possible. So I, I felt like you as I was watching this for sure. Well, you know, but again, there's an entertainment component to a post, right? But there's also, I guess, for lack of a better word, educational, right? So, I mean, I'm going back to the Mortal Kombat days when I remember playing video games for the 10 minutes that I played them. And I remember, like, you do something cool with the joystick or the buttons or whatever, and then something would happen on the screen and be like, wow, how'd you do that, right? That, to me, that's like a trick shot, like you said, uh, Miles. Yep. So when you're posting these things, these snippets, are you kind of explaining what you're doing or is it more just for entertainment value? 
Okay, so there's two things you could do. You could just do it, post it, or there's other people that, you know, they'll add a commentary onto it. They'll explain what they did. There's different ways of doing it, obviously. So I, I got to know now then, you got 30 million views on one post. That is staggering. And, and, and honestly, even though I don't understand this world, nothing but respect for you on that one. But what the hell did you post? Okay, so like FaZe, I posted multiple trick shots in this video game called Call of Duty, which you, you probably heard of. I've heard of it, yeah. And um, it gained traction on an app called TikTok. And I think you've heard of it, obviously. And then Sports we're Center. That, we're not quite that out of it. I think we've, we've heard of TikTok. <laughs> no, I'm just making sure. So then Sports Center viewed it, DM'd me, and then they were like, hey, can I post this on our platform? They uploaded like seven of these clips. And then, yeah, 30 million views. I mean, I had um, UFC middleweight champion uh, Stylebender like the post, I had Odell Beckham. I played with a couple of them over the, the time I've been doing this, but it's pretty wild. It's crazy. So for our listeners, DM is an acronym for direct message. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let me throw another number out there for you because that 30 million is a pretty staggering number, but I actually have another one for you too. So Miles, okay. I, I went through um, all of your profiles for all of your different social media platforms, whether it was Instagram, YouTube, uh, Facebook, whatever it was, right? And all of them, yeah, you've, I don't know, anywhere between six and maybe 15,000 followers on each. And, you know, that's impressive for sure, but nothing sort of earth shattering until you get to TikTok, right? And you get to TikTok, he's got 876,000 followers on TikTok. I mean, that is insane. Almost a million people are following just miles so they can watch him trick shot and head kill people that I can't even see on the screen. It's pretty wild. I mean, I started doing that once again during COVID and I met these guys online that were posting on TikTok. And originally when I heard about TikTok, I thought it was just a dancing app. I thought it was a joke, mostly like anybody. And then they were like, no, you got to try it. You got to upload this. This is a good way to get yourself out there. I was like, all right, I'll try it. I have no, I have nothing else to do. So I started doing that and then people started following. And within a month, I already had 30,000 people following me on that app, which is insane. I don't think the average person realizes how hard it is to get a following on any of these social media platforms. You hear about it all the time. Oh, this person has a million. This person has two million, whatever. I mean, it is not easy. It's not easy to get a thousand followers, never mind 876,000. So, I mean, that is impressive. No, thank you. Thank you. It comes back to just what you're posting. I mean, if people are interested and there's an audience for it, I mean, you can organically grow over time. So I have a question for you, Miles. You know, you listened to the last podcast, obviously, before you did this one, and we did a lot of talking about FaZe Clan and some of these other professional teams. You know, how do you get onto one of these teams? And is that something you've thought about? Is that something that's, you know, is it like trying to make a professional football or basketball team? Is Are the odds that long to get on one of these teams? Yes. So there's people that have been grinding video games for eight years now, and only now posting clips doing the same thing I'm doing and only now a few of them have made phase because the requirements what they look for is exponentially getting more to be in those organizations so I would say if I really wanted to join that I would have to probably go for another three years at least to even get a chance to join them 
do you have to reach out to them and say, hey, man, I want to try out? Or, or, or do they just discover you? Do they have like scouts? So it's a little bit of both. I've had few of the phase guys uh, actually like my content and comment and interact with my stuff. And I also have friends in the industry that know and play with those guys, like actually hang out with them or play with them. And I would say as they've gotten bigger, they usually get people in that they're either friends with or they're like more associated with. And then they see that they can actually make a profit off of you. I would say that's the biggest thing. What does that look like though? I guess I don't really understand, right? So FaZe Clan as an entity, they're out there. They're, you know, scouting for, you know, whoever their next star players are or whatever, right? Let's say they identify you and they say, okay, you know what? This guy, Miles, is killing it. We want him to be part of FaZe Clan because we can monetize his posts or whatever. What does that look like? I mean, do they pay you? Is there like a signing bonus? Is it just, hey, be part of it and you need to give us, you know, a certain percentage of whatever your revenue is? Like, how does that work? So I would say a little bit of everything. First of all, they would probably approach me. They'd be like, you know, we like your stuff. Let's sign you to a contract, whether it was a year or two, you know, a, a decent salary, nothing crazy to start out. They would sign me as a content creator not a pro player because a pro player is very different. They would sign me as a content creator. And then yes, they would be looking to uh, make money off of what I'm already making money on. And that's basically what it would look like. They would sign me. They didn't like me after a year that they'd, they'd part ways or whatever, something like that. Who owns these teams? Is it like, is it like a Mark Cuban owning a Dallas Mavericks type scenario or... So, What's Tino, it's interesting here? you ask that question, right? Because the reason that we sort of got involved in this was because of an article about FaZe Clan going public, right? You can invest in them. And I think that we talked a bunch about how weird that is. But there are professional sports teams. You know, you mentioned Mark Cuban just two seconds ago. I believe the Dallas Mavericks are public. I think you can buy stock in the Mavericks, can you not? I would say they're public, but their shares are available for, yeah, a couple times a year you could buy the, buy the stock. And I, I, I see what you're saying. I would just... I was just trying to think of, you know, if there's FaZe and these other different platforms out there, do they co-mingle like other sports teams do within a league? So I was curious about that too. So Rocco provided us with a list. Some of you guys met Rocco a few weeks ago. We had him on the show for a little bit, but he provided me with a list. So here's sort of a top teams. You have FaZe Clan at 585 employees, Team Liquid at 318 employees, Cloud9 245, 100 Thieves at 235, and Fnatic at 239 employees. So, you know, I would assume employees constitutes players and, and probably a few other non-players, but, but whatever. How do these teams in particular, because I'm sure there's hundreds of teams out there. So I'm curious, how do these, you know, five teams in particular sort of reach the heights that they've reached? And to Tino's point, are, are they competing against each other? Do they only play with members of their own team? Like, how does that work? So a video game that you like, let's say uh, League of Legends, for example, they will put on an event at the end of the year and have all these teams that qualified and played these other like qualifiers, like any sport, compete in a mega money live stream prize pool. And then that person obviously would take home that money. Then there's the second part of it. Not all those teams that you mentioned are hiring or putting under contract content creators, which is different. Content creators are creating their own individual content under the name of one of those orgs, for example. But for the esports side, yes, those esports teams that you mentioned that are making all this money, they're making them from individual game tournaments that are being put on by that game. I think one of the things that sort of struck me about this is when 
uh, this came about because of an article that I had read. And when I Googled FaZe Clan, what came up was like a sports league standings. It was like Googling NFL standings. And, it, and it, what popped up was all these standings from tournaments. And it, it looked exactly like a professional sport. It was so weird. They structure it like that on purpose. And um, they, you know, they have a whole roster. It's basically the same thing as an NFL team, just esports. That's basically the same thing. What's amazing to me is how sophisticated it is, right? I mean, just listening to Miles talk about this, you know, you've got your tournaments and, and obviously the game manufacturers are hosting tournaments and putting out prize money and this and that. So you've got your pro teams, you've got your content creators. These companies or teams are going out, reaching out to content creators, which are essentially, you know, a PR or marketing for them. And they figured out some way to not only monetize it, but to monetize it in a way that works for whoever's actually creating the content as well as the quote-unquote team or corporation or whatever. I mean, there's a sophisticated infrastructure that's been, you know, that's evolved and been put in place over over years by, you know, not to be offensive in in any way, but by kids. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. It's pretty impressive. No, it is. I mean, it's mainly run by people under the age of 30, I would say. And I was like scrounging my couch for quarters to buy ramen noodles at that age, so... (laughs) Hey, I mean, any any kid nowadays has an Xbox or a PlayStation. Ever since they were, you know, young, I mean, they're they're popping these kids out and giving them iPads. I mean, it's it's a whole new world now. It's crazy to us, that's for sure. I'm curious. You said these tournaments. Let's get back to that for a second. You talked about prize money. Where is this prize money coming from? Like, so this is what will happen: is that the game that they're doing that tournament in will allocate a portion of that money for the viewership and a tournament to boost their game's interaction even more. So say Call of Duty allocates $200 million or something crazy to esports. That money is not only going to incentivize people to compete, it's also going to up the viewership ratings for the game and those people because they want to see people compete for big money. It's like any other sport, basically. It's the same thing. So here's what I want to know. Here's I, I, I'm going to bottom line it here, and it's it's going to go to Miles. For anybody that's listening, is it worth the time and effort that you put into these games, right? Or as Tino and Mike might have you believe, is it just a waste of life? <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough question. Um, I would say you're looking at it from the wrong perspective. I would say a professional gamer is a high accolade that not many people achieve in the space. If you say liked Mario, right? And you're really passionate about it and you start making videos on it. And even if you're just funny, say you're horrible, right? And you post these clips online, YouTube, you know, TikTok, Instagram, and you start getting views, those people will want to watch you naturally on a live stream. So I would say, don't look at it like, oh, I want to become a pro gamer. Start out being like, I want to be known just for this personality, and maybe there'll be people that will watch me. That's how I would look at it. This podcast is created and presented by Darwin Asset Management, LLC, and Darwin Advisors, LLC, collectively referred to as Darwin. Darwin does not make any representation or warranties and therefore takes no responsibility as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information contained in this podcast. Any tax or legal information contained in this podcast is general in nature. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. The information presented does not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there could be no assurance that any investment or strategy 
strategy will be suitable or profitable for a client's portfolio. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Information presented is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of any offer to buy or sell the securities mentioned herein.